0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Ezra Chapter 2 called Going Home.
1: Let's take a look at Ezra 2 Chapter 1. Ezra 2, 1. Now, these are the people of the province, probably here the province of Judah. You can write down chapter 5, verse 8 as a cross-reference. Who came up out of the captivity of the exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away to Babylon and returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his city. Now in Ezra chapter 2, verse 1, with the title going home, we see now the people who returned. I mentioned to you that scholars say about 2% of the exiles, those who had gone into Babylonian captivity and now were really under some sort of Persian rule, but it wasn't really uh, slavery, so to speak, in that sense. They had a certain amount of freedom, but they were still under now Persian rule, and remember, it was God who moved on the heart of King Cyrus. And if you hold your place in Ezra 2, let me show you Isaiah 45. And uh, we looked at the first part of this prophecy. I want to show you just a few more verses in Isaiah 45. And as you turn to the right in your Bible, let me remind you that a prophecy that names King Cyrus, the future King of Persia from the time Isaiah wrote in around 700 BC till the time he gave this edict around 539 BC. Uh, this prophecy was written and God is moving. God uh, is moving in the life of a pagan king and he's moving in the lives of his people. And he writes, of course, uh, some 100, 150 years in advance saying through Isaiah the prophet, thus says the Lord, Isaiah 45:11 the holy one of israel and his maker ask me about the things to come concerning my sons he's referring to israel and you shall commit to me the work of my hands isaiah 45:12 it is i who made the earth and created man upon it i stretched out the heavens with my hands and i ordained all their host i have aroused him if you have the niv it's named cyrus here and it's him in context i have aroused cyrus in righteousness and I will make all his ways smooth. He will build my city, that is Jerusalem, and will let, would you note it, Bible students, my exiles go free without any payment or reward, says the Lord of hosts. Turn back to Ezra chapter two. I want you to notice in Isaiah 45, verse 13, that the exiles were God's exiles because God had caused the captivity. And remember that the captivity was a judgment from God. God had been warning the people to turn from their idolatry and their wickedness. And he had used prophet uh, upon prophet to convey this message. But largely the people just ignored the messages. Kings would come along and there'd be a good king and then an evil king. And the prophets would prophesy. And they would call upon the nation to repent. And as the nation hardened its heart, God got ready to judge. And a prophecy was given that a time of captivity was coming to the Jewish people. And it would be 70 years. And that 70 years was prophesied, if you were with us last week, by the prophet Jeremiah. He was known as the weeping prophet. And he predicted the time of captivity. I mentioned to you that the word captive is an interesting word. It's the Hebrew word shava, S-H-A-V-A, And it means when the house is destroyed. And I mentioned to you that when ancient armies would come in and destroy a nation or a city, and this is what Nebuchadnezzar did to Jerusalem, they would burn everything, including the place or places of worship, to indicate to the people that they had nothing to go back to. They would take them on the brow of a hill, watch their city or their nation burn down, take them captive to a foreign land if they survived. And would say, in essence, Shavah, you have nothing to go back to. You're our captive now. And the New Testament says that some people have have been taken captive by the devil to do his will. And the job of the teacher or the Christian in witness is to patiently witness to people who have been taken captive by the enemy of our souls, by the world's system, eyes that are blinded finding themselves in chains, and many people don't even realize it. Well, as the people marched off to Babylon in captivity, the the power structures shifted and changed, and you can see this in the book of Daniel, and Babylon fell to Persia. In the opening chapter of the book of Ezra, we get the ruler of the time. His name is Cyrus. Turn back for a moment just to remind ourselves where we are. Now, in the first year, Ezra 1:1 of Cyrus, notice he's the king of Persia, the area now of modern-day Iran. In order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he sent a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a house. There's the temple in Jerusalem. It was known as God's house or the house of worship, which is in Judah, the larger area in the south part of Israel. Whoever there is among you, all of his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up. Now here's the challenge. The king is giving them the right to go. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem, every survivor. At whatever place he may live, let the men, says Cyrus, of that place support him with silver and gold, with goods, cattle, together with a freewill offering for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. Then the heads of the fathers' households of Judah and Benjamin, the two tribes in the south, and the priests and the Levites, arose, notice, even everyone who whose spirit God had stirred. God had stirred Cyrus to make the edict. He is sovereign. God had stirred the people to go back and rebuild the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. And all those about them encouraged them. And there was giving and so forth. And off they went. It takes people to do the work of God. God ultimately, he could do it without us, don't get me wrong, but God has decided, let me put it this way, God has decided to use us to proclaim the gospel. God has used us to help him, if you will, in the building of his kingdom. We, we, we could say, well, I, I don't have much of a part because it's all God. It's God's power. It's God's gospel. It's God's resources. Yes, but God still has chosen to allow us to partner in that process. And God stirred the hearts of his people. But remember, I mentioned that only 2% of the people went back. What were the reasons for this weak turnout? How many hearts did God stir and they didn't respond? I can't tell you for sure. But sometimes God stirs things in our hearts and we kind of fight him. And you may be in that position tonight Where you've been fighting God on many levels, and God's been stirring things in your heart. And sometimes things stir for a while before we finally say, Okay, I give up. (laughs) I'm going home. The word Shava for captive is closely related to the Hebrew word shuv, which in Hebrew means repent. Let me explain. To burn the house is the captives saw their city burning and knew they had nothing to go back to. When you truly repent, you burn the house in a different sense. You burn the house of your sin so you have nothing to go back to. When you're truly repenting, please hear me well, brothers and sisters. When you truly repent, you don't leave that thing for the next indulgence. You burn it. You get rid of it. Sometimes the burning is metaphorical. Sometimes it's literal. In the book of Acts, people burned their books that had to do with witchcraft and the occult. They burned them in the fire, even at great expense, because they didn't want to go back to their old sins. And some of us have realized that when we said we were repenting and we left that thing sitting there, we basically did it for the next indulgence we left it to go back to and we are still captive to our sin and so this interesting connection between captive and repentance is when you truly repent you burn the house you burn the things that are stumbling you so that you won't go back to them you you get rid of them everybody with me that's when you know you're getting serious about dealing with your sin. Jesus says, if your right hand causes you to sin, he's not speaking literally now, cut it off. If your eye causes, it to, causes you to sin, pluck it out. Again, extreme, we call it hyperbolic language to say, take radical measures with your sin. Because your sin will find you out. And for the captives, when they were in Babylon, they knew that they were in captivity because of their sin. Their uh, captivity was a judgment from God, but with a promise that he would bring them back home. Let me give you a parallel example. In Luke chapter 15, Pastor Matt uh, preached on this just a few weeks ago. When the prodigal comes to his senses, remember, he leaves home. And then when he comes to his senses and he's lost everything and he's in the pig pen, literally, he comes to his sentence, senses and he says, I'm going home, I'm going back to my father. That's the title for tonight, it's going home. And when you get serious about your relationship with God, some of you, you know, you, you recently have returned to the Lord and maybe you've returned during this uh, pandemic and you've done so because you knew that you had kind of walked away from God, and God got your attention through maybe a trying time or maybe this current difficult circumstance, and you've come home. You made a decision that you would turn around. You came to your senses, and you returned back to your father and back to your house, so to speak. That's the connection here. And the captives were now going home, but they had to pick up from Babylon. And you're gonna see from this list that many of them had become prosperous in Babylon.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
1: Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app.
0: Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now, with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's word, but it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text "step closer" as one word to 33222. Again, that's "step closer" as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called "A Step Closer." And you can text "step closer" as one word to thirty three two two two. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk and
1: Truth. Captivity was a judgment from God, but with a promise that He would bring them back home. Let me give you a parallel example in Luke chapter fifteen. Pastor Matt uh, preached on this just a few weeks ago. When the prodigal comes to his senses, remember he leaves home. And then when he comes to his senses and he's lost everything and he's in the pig pen, literally, he comes to his sentence, senses and he says, I'm going home. I'm going back to my father. That's the title for tonight. It's going home. And when you get serious about your relationship with God, some of you, you know, you, you recently have returned to the Lord and maybe you've returned during this uh, pandemic, And you've done so because you knew that you had kind of walked away from God and God got your attention through maybe a trying time or maybe this current difficult circumstance and you've come home. You made a decision that you would turn around. You came to your senses and you returned back to your father and back to your house, so to speak. That's the connection here. And the captives were now going home. But they had to pick up from Babylon, and you're going to see from this list that many of them had become prosperous in Babylon. Many of them had, uh, and they were told in the book of Jeremiah to seek the welfare of the city, to pray for the city. It it was going to be an extended amount of time that they were going to be there, and I want you to try to imagine a 70-year captivity. It started the first uh, captives in 605 BC, then down to 586 And then finally, they were uh, given the freedom to return back home. But I want you to imagine what it would feel like if you were away from your home for 70 years. Imagine for a second if you were 10 years old and you had experienced the destruction of your homeland and now you were released to go back home, maybe to your childhood house, maybe to familiar settings, but imagine that now you were older in life. What would it feel like to know you were free to finally return? And, and for many people, even if they had heard the prophecy, they might have been thinking, well, maybe we'll never go back. Maybe there's never going to be a time when I'm going to see my ancestral city again or where I lived again, or maybe I'm never going to see the temple again because it was destroyed. A lot of difficult memories. Um, these are the shadows or the images are cast uh, by many writers, but specifically Jeremiah. And I want you again to hold your place in Ezra and go to Jeremiah to your right. It's just past um, Isaiah. And go a little bit past Jeremiah. Easy way to get now to Lamentations. And this is where I want to take you just for, I want to give you a few snapshots of what the last memories of the captives may well have been. Now, if there would have been babies born in the captivity, of course, to families and so forth. And all they would have known is the stories of the homeland. And, uh, you know, sometimes we're with relatives and they tell us stories about, you know, where the family originally came from. And all we can do is hear the stories. We don't really know. uh, We don't know it firsthand. And that was true for many. But some people had these memories uh, as we look at Lamentations chapter one, probably written by Jeremiah verse three. He writes, Judah has gone into exile under affliction. And under harsh servitude. She dwells, and remember Jeremiah prophesying just before the captivity happened. She dwells among the nations, but she has found no rest. Lamentations 1 3. All her pursuers have overtaken her in the midst of distress. The roads of Zion are in mourning because no one comes to the appointed feast. All her gates are desolate. Her priests are groaning, her virgins are afflicted, and she herself is bitter. Her adversaries have become her masters. Her enemies prosper. For the Lord has caused her grief because of the multitude of her transgressions. Her little ones have gone away as captives before the adversary. Now, I'm not going to go through the entire passage, but I would encourage you later to read all the way up to verse 12 of that section. Flip over to Lamentations 2, look at verse 5. Lamentations 2, verse 5. Getting more pictures of what it was like, and what people would have remembered uh, as they were taken off to Babylon. The Lord has become like an enemy to five of Lamentations. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all its palaces. He has destroyed its strongholds and multiplied in the daughter of Judah mourning and moaning. And he has violently treated his tabernacle like a garden booth. He has destroyed his appointed meeting place, the temple. The Lord has caused Uh, The Lord has caused to be forgotten the appointed feast and Sabbath in Zion, and he has despised king and priest in the indignation of his anger. The Lord has rejected his altar, he has abandoned his sanctuary. He has delivered into the hand of the enemy the walls of her palaces. They have made a noise in the house of the Lord as in the day of an appointed feast. The Lord determined to destroy the wall of the daughter of Zion. He has stretched out a line. He has not restrained his hand from destroying. He has caused rampart and wall to lament. They have languished together. Her gates have sunk into the ground, verse 9. He has destroyed and broken her bars. Her king and her princes are among the nations. The law is no more. Also, her prophets find no vision from the Lord. The elders of the daughters of Zion sit on the ground. They are silent. They have thrown dust on their heads. They have girded themselves with sackcloth. The virgins of Jerusalem have bowed their heads to the ground. My eyes fail, says Jeremiah, because of tears. My spirit is greatly troubled. My heart is poured out on the earth because of the destruction of the daughter of my people when little ones and infants faint in the streets of the city. And then uh, down to uh, verse 19. It says, Arise, chapter 2, verse 19. Uh, Cry aloud in the night. At the beginning of the night watches, pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to Him for the life of your little ones who are faint because of hunger at the head of every street. See, O Lord, and look. With whom hast thou dealt thus? Should women, this is brutal, but here it is, eat their offspring? The little ones who were born healthy, should priest and prophet be slain in the sanctuary of the Lord? On the ground in the streets lie young and old. My virgins and my young men have fallen by the sword. Thou hast slain them in the day of thine anger. Thou hast slaughtered, uh, not sparing. 22. Thou didst call as in the day of an appointed feast my terrors on every side. And there was no one who escaped or survived in the day of the Lord's anger. Those whom I bore and reared, my enemy annihilated them. I'm going to show you one more, even though it's tough to take. It's called the book of Lamentations for a reason. It's a lot of lamenting over what happened in Jerusalem as they were taken off, as Nebuchadnezzar came with his forces and destroyed, uh, took captives and ultimately destroyed the temple. And there's a little good news in this one after a little bit more difficulty. Lamentations 3.15, he writes, "'He has filled me with bitterness. "'He has made me drunk with wormwood. "'He has broken my teeth with gravel. "'He has made me cower in the dust.'" My soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. So I say my strength has perished, and so is my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and, and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to mind; therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, 22. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone, be silent since he has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. Perhaps there is hope. Let him give his cheek to the smiter. Let him be filled with reproach. For the Lord, please note it, will not reject forever. For if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according, please notice, to his abundant loving kindness.
0: You've been listening to Going Home Part 1 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Ezra Chapter 2. And if you'd like to watch the video of this teaching, which also includes a time of worship, you can subscribe to the Living Truth Christian Fellowship YouTube channel. Visit walkintruth.com and click on church. Or just find us on your YouTube app. And make sure you click the bell after you subscribe to our YouTube channel because then you'll be notified every time Pastor Michael goes live. Like this Sunday morning, we'll be streaming live at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Anyway, you can find the Living Truth Christian Fellowship YouTube channel when you visit walkintruth.com
1: and click on church. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, there's more of this message called Going Home Next Week, and uh, we want you to tune in next week and have a wonderful weekend, praying that you can connect with God's people on the Lord's Day. I want to remind you that we have a special 633 event dealing with the problem of evil, how timely this is, with one one of the expert voices on this, if you can call somebody an expert on this, Dr. Clay Jones. He's written a book on the problem of evil. He's our special guest at our next 633 event here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. You can find out information on that event on June 14th, starting at 633 in the evening, when you go to walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Remember, if you can't join us for a church service, you can also catch us on the live stream, which is going out 9 a.m. Pacific time on our YouTube channel. You can connect to the YouTube channel through walkintruth.com. Just click on the church tab. We're excited that you're joining us for worship. We're excited that you're part of our uh, church family, though this is on the air. And for those of you who are have been listening for a while and you're not sure you're a Christian, now would be such an awesome time to give your life to Jesus Christ. There's no better decision to make because he's God and he loves you so much. He died in your place. He rose to defeat your mortal enemy death. He lives to intercede for his people. And if he's been knocking on your heart, open the door. Ask Jesus to come in to save you, to be your Lord and Savior, your God and your King. He'll guide you all the days of your life and he'll guide you all the way home into his heavenly kingdom. Hey, when you tune in next week, I'm going to end this message with a special tribute to Dr. Ravi Zacharias, who went home to be with the Lord, speaking of homegoing, and a little tribute from his daughter at the end of a program early next week on going home. And he went home to be with the Lord. What a great impact he had on so many lives. And I pray that that thought will encourage you to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll catch you Sunday morning on the broadcast, and we'll see you then.
0: And one more thing. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program Your $5 donation is so appreciated. So please give a donation if you can at walkintruth.com and come back next week for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ezra chapter two called Going Home. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, I'm going home to have a great weekend and I hope you do too. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.